Today our guest is Roger Sweeney, a cancer, epilepsy, and stroke survivor who is a true inspiration to me, who's been willing to share his story with the hopes that people don't make the same mistakes that he made in some of the decisions early in his life. Welcome, Roger. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am fantastic. I so appreciate you taking time and the willingness to share your story. For our guest out there, I met Roger at a conference a few months ago. Someone said I just had to meet Roger, so we got a chance to meet. And it turns out we were almost neighbors. You grew up in the Milwaukee area or were working in the Milwaukee area. That's the area that I'm from. I know now I believe you live in Seattle, but here we're from the same neck of the woods. And you have one heck of a compelling story. And rather than me try to share the story, why don't you just share a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you were working, and then let's get into the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. I'm pleased to talk with you. Well, my name, again, is Roger Sweeney, and I was in public accounting out of college, worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then I went to a young company in the healthcare industry, and we sold the company to General Electric Healthcare, and that's what got me back in Milwaukee. And that was a great experience, and I loved Milwaukee, believe it or not. I was there for over four years and loved every minute of it. Lived in this little town called Whitefish Bay. So the issue I want to talk to you about, disability. Let me tell you a little bit about my history. I moved into Milwaukee in May of 2003. And then in September 2003, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. And it's hard to believe when you're only 35, but I had no choice. I had to face it and do whatever I can to beat it. So I went through surgery. 17 cycles of chemotherapy, six weeks of radiation, and it took me about a year and a half to get a good start on life. I started coming out and seeing the light a little bit, but I still had a hard time controlling my epilepsy, and I tried every different medication there was, but I just couldn't get a handle on it, and it was terrible. So my surgeon came back and said, Roger, we can do a second surgery on it, and you'll be back at work, and your life is going to be so good, and you'll be back to work in a month. I was concerned about the insurance, my long-term insurance. When I became an employee of General Electric, I chose to not have long-term disability insurance because I was an office worker, I had six months of disability and insurance, and I had life insurance. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll reconsider when I get older if something more dangerous comes into me. And I didn't accept those I started thinking after the first surgery, I need to get it back because I was really scared. I was scared that I wouldn't make it and what was going to happen. So I went back, tried to reapply for long-term disability. Of course, I didn't expect to receive it, but I got to at least take the opportunity and try it. And I was declined, and I still went back to my doctor and told him about my fear. And he said, well, there is a 2% chance of us having a stroke during the surgery. But my doctor said 2% is 2%. That's a very low risk. And I said, well, okay. And so I went back and talked to my employer, GE Healthcare, and there was an opportunity in the system where if I quit GE and reapplied for GE, the insurance wouldn't deny me. And so I went to my manager and explained the situation. And again, I just wanted long-term disability as a source of security. I had no idea or no perception that I would have long-term disability after the surgery, but I just want to secure everything. Anyway, GE said, well, we don't think that would be appropriate if you left the company. And so I understood and I went back to the doctor and told him, he said, well, everything's a chance and a risk. 
So I had the second surgery, and I got a stroke right during the surgery. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. And I was in the hospital for three months. I did over 500 sessions of physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. I was scared to death because I told myself, I have to win this battle because I've got a beautiful family, I've got a beautiful house, I've got a beautiful job, and everything was together, and I had the fear that I would be lost. After the six months expired, I was still going through you know, all the therapies, but I tried to go back to GE, and I wasn't capable, and I wasn't physically or mentally could do my old job. At that point, that's when everything started coming down. I didn't have any income. So I had to start cashing out. I had funds for my kids. I had to cash that in to make the payments on the house and bills and everything. And to cash that in, I had to sell some investment accounts. I had to downsize the home. And every time we did something like that, I was just praying that things would turn around. But it didn't the way I expected it to. Roger, I just got to interrupt you for just a second. You're not in the financial services business, and I've had a lot of people that I've counseled through the years, and I've talked to other advisors that are in this where they're talking to people about disability, and I think there's a big mistake that a lot of people have out there, which they have this assumption between thinking short-term disability covers them for long-term, and you had a conscientious decision. You knew yes. the difference. And unfortunately, you made a conscientious decision when most of us do that. When the skies are clear, especially when we're young, we make a lot of choices based on everything's always going to work out. And how old were you when all this happened? The first cancer surgery was 33, and then the second surgery when I was 35. So you were at a fairly young age, but you had the kids. You're already yep. starting to think about family and things like that. But by the time you made the decision to look at getting long-term disability, you already had the health it, issues, it, and it people don't late. think that's going to happen to them. That's the whole story, because I knew I had life insurance secured. I bought it independently outside of General Electric. It was you know, silver rock and on top. And I just counted on that. I said, well, if I have a crash in the airplane, that's going to be great. My kids will be fine and everything. And you're right. Most people don't understand the difference between short-term disability and long-term disability. And I had the right to choose long-term disability, but it's a good 150 bucks a month. And I said, well, I'll reevaluate long-term disability in a couple of years or so. I remember when we first met, when we were introduced, you were sharing your story, and I remember you very vividly, That I'll never forget this, where you told me the first thought you had when you realized you had a stroke was, oh my God, I don't have long-term yep. disability. Exactly. The same issue happens with people with long-term care. They need long-term care, and they don't have the insurance for it, and they have their savings. And I think you're going through the same thing at a much younger age. Here you've got a young wife, you've got your kids, and you're just paying the bills out of these resources. And slowly, financially, you're just bleeding until what? Exactly. Before we start again, there's something else I want to mention to you. Many people question that there was a malpractice situation, but it wasn't. My surgeon did the best he could, and he had this happen. He's a 55-year-old, and he's been doing it for 30 years, and it's only happened to him three times, and I was the third one. So I couldn't go down that route. It's compared to Europe and things like that you'll recover financially by the United States. As soon as you pre-surgery, you sign off the liabilities, and I just had no chance of looking anywhere. So now you're paying the bills. You said you're going through your savings. What happened next? I'd like to recap something real quick. A triple whammy hit me. I'm a cancer survivor. 
on the grade three, which is average for people is two to three years. And I also had epilepsy. And obviously, the third is a stroke. And once you have a stroke, disability affects 75% of stroke survivors. And when you're looking at me and you add them all up, that's not good. I have a 0.002 chance of living. So as I was indicating to you, I spent over three months in the hospital, and of course, it was quite dramatic. I have partial blindness. I lost use of my right arm. I wear a constant leg brace, and legally, I can't drive because of the eyesight at times. So let me talk to you a little bit about financial down the drain. Well, I knew I needed to save my life, and I need to save my whole family's life. I desperately wanted to recover and get back to my life. I lost my job. Uh, General Electric was basically 150000 I was hit from every direction, physical, emotional, financial, family, divorce, empty bank accounts, investments. I lost my home, had to sell some automobiles, equity, and the kids' college funds were gone too. So, for example, I had over $300,000 of assets, GE salary, health care, cars, etc., investments, college funds. And if I would have been smart enough or wise enough for long-term disability, I would have saved 50% of my salary, 50% of my salary. And I don't think I would have lost these assets, which are family assets. But unfortunately, it happened to me. And because I had to lose everything, today, I am just on Social Security disability. I know for a lot of people with disability income from Social Security, sometimes it takes a while to even be able to get the benefits. How did it work in your circumstance? In my case, some other people had suggested it's going to be difficult to get Social Security. But because the short-term disability is for six months, typically they have to wait six months for Social Security disability insurance. When I submitted my application to Social Security, because of my health, they passed it the first try. And a lot of people came back to me and said, I can't believe you had such an easy time with Social Security. And I tell people, I'm not supposed to be here. By statistically, I'm not supposed to be here. And Social Security didn't argue with me. So I was very lucky there at that point. So unfortunately, you've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations, not only with your health, but you lost your life, basically, your wife, your kids, the financial nest egg that you had started to build for yourself. You shared with me also there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel with your insurance, but you were kind of stuck out on your own figuring it out. So talk a little bit about what happened there with your life insurance. That's important because that's one of the life's statistical happiness I had no idea that there was a source of income in this world because I still had my life insurance. I wanted to reach in and grab that because, Jesus, I was on the edge of my life and I have to wait to die and support my family. And I couldn't figure it out. So I did some research on what they call VitaCal. So I did some research on the internet, surfing for life insurance buyers. And then finally I discovered it's available for me because of my diagnosis and there are a lot of companies in the United States that do that for a living. How it works, corporations focus on life insurance. And what they do, they reach out and say, look, we understand you're not a diagnosis. You haven't been told from your doctor you're going to pass away in two years. So I discovered, once again, I started negotiations with this corporation, and they were willing to cash in 50% of my life insurance 
but they it's not like they give you face value. They negotiate with you how much you want. And the idea is you get immediate cash sooner to put in your account and settle and hopefully give you a smile, but they have a profit. As soon as one dies, they'll receive the other profit. And that's what I did. So that corporation provided me a revenue, and because I was still going to divorce, I had to give my ex-wife some of it. This happened about six years ago, and I put in an investment account, and I'm not rich, but I have to carefully watch a little bit that I still have savings from that transaction. And that transaction is the source of my life. And that's something that I know we've talked about on different shows in the past, and it's something that's not necessarily new, but people are newly becoming aware of it. And there's viatical settlements, there's life settlements, and here's one of the reasons why you want to work closely with an advisor. I mean, here in your circumstance, you had to discover it on your own, but one of the reasons for having life insurance, life insurance is an asset. And there's a lot of companies, if you feel you don't need your life insurance anymore before you just cash it out, you might want to look into this because it can pay you a lot more than just surrendering for cash value. So a reason to talk to your advisor before you let any of this type of insurance go. So Roger, we've been visiting for a while and you definitely have an inspirational story. Tell the audience, why is is it that you want to share your story? What is compelling you to share your story with others today? It's just about the education. As I mentioned before, I didn't understand these opportunities. And if someone would approach me about life settlements, I probably wouldn't be here having a discussion with you. And I probably wouldn't have lost my 300000 or even particularly, we don't know what happened with the family, how it broke up or anything. But that's what I wasn't informed. And I am desperately trying to educate people that there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel. And my life light was a life settlement program. And I just can't say how much I would like to inform everyone else. And of course, you understand the issue. There's 67% of America doesn't have long-term disability insurance. And so it's my goal I want to go out and reach those 67% and say, look, here's my story and with you nice, wonderful family and look what happened to me. And I'll tell you what, over the last two years when I set up my web and I set up my seven-minute film, I encourage people to go to my web and see that seven-minute film. And over two years, I've had over 100 or 200 people look at my web and then they quickly send me an email in a couple of days or whatever. They say, Roger, we watch your video and you know what? We went down and talked to our agent and we made sure we had long-term disability for my family. So how do they get that? They go to my web which is www.rogersinspiration.com. And right on the front, there's a seven-minute video with my whole lifestyle. And they learned that I didn't have long-term disability and it destroyed my life. And so they email me and they say, Roger, thank you very much for the work you're doing. It made me and my wife go down to our agent and get long-term disability insurance. To me, I feel so good because every time I see a family and I understand they'll have long-term disability, I cringe. I try to educate people. I'm not, I don't get in their face. I just say, you know what, here's my story. Here's my website. Call me if I can help you. And that happens all the time. Well, you know, Roger, I think I shared this with you when I first met you. I think you should go out and get your insurance license and help counsel people on the disability income. But I know right now you see a lot of people that get affected by health situations like you have 
and they pretty much give up and just kind of live out their days. But man, you're getting out there, you're talking to people, and I just want to share with people too that you speak professionally on the topic now, and if there's any groups out there, whether it's a church group, a civic group, company, whatever the case may be, or if you're an insurance group or company, you want to share your story. So how do they reach out to you to have you share their story? Well, it's my passion. They can either go to my web, there's a link, there's my email address, which is roger at rogersinspiration.com. I've got your number as 1-414-581-1908. Is that right? That's right. So again, it's 414-581-1908. I'm glad to see you kept a little bit of Milwaukee with you because 414 is the Milwaukee area code. So even though you're in Seattle, they can reach you on that Milwaukee cell number, right? Right. And I do love Milwaukee. I'm a volunteer every year. I go fly back and go to the Summerfest, and I love seeing all the Milwaukee people. Roger, thanks for sharing your story. I know it's sometimes can be difficult, especially for those of us guys. We usually like to hold our pride kind of tight to the vest, and your willingness to share a story and admit the mistakes that you've made to help inspire others, that's awesome. I have a lot of respect for you and wish you well in your future and would strongly encourage you to consider getting in the profession of helping to counsel people on their disability income. I appreciate that, and I'm halfway studying for that right this moment. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information would be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button.